ungrateful people. Children are ungrateful to their parents. People are ungrateful to one another. And worst of all, people are ungrateful to God. Thankfully, we have this portion of Scripture here in Psalms 100 in which we can find not only a challenge but a call to be thankful. And there's plenty of reasons for us to be thankful. I think about the pilgrims and their all of the death that was around them and somehow they, they got their minds off of the negative and they said, let's thank God that we had a good corn harvest this year right sometimes you've just got to redirect your thoughts because if you you not careful you'll allow you to dwell on the negative isn't it true that we are negative people it is it we we tend to veer toward the negative you can get bad news and it'll travel around the world 10 times before good news ever gets out of the bag it's, it's we get a hold of that negative and, and we get a hold of it and it, that's what we cling to. That's what we think on uh, and instead of those that are positive. But, but the pilgrims, they said, we're going to thank God because we had a good corn harvest this day or this year and we're going to give him praise. It is a call here to come and thank God for what he has done. He said, enter into his presence. The psalmist opens this, this particular psalm by saying it, we need to worship God. We need to thank the Lord and be thankful to him. It teaches us how to come into his presence. By the way that nothing that, that uh, we are doing on our own is merits us coming into his presence it's because of what he has already done for us that we are able to have access into his presence his presence is is something that he and the bible said he inhabits the praises of his people there are three different uh, things here that I want to break down. I believe there's three ways of praising God here that we first we see here in these, this text. He said that we are to enter with a shout. He said, make a joyful noise, right? The Hebrew word means, therefore, noise is to shout. And so vocal praise is something that... that it's become kind of old-fashioned. You don't hear it too much in the church anymore. But God didn't call us to be a library. He didn't, we, we are not a place where that, that we are mourning the death of those who are died. We, this is a place of resurrection power. This is a place of life. This is a place where that we communicate and express our gratitude for a holy God that has brought us out of a horrible pit and put our feet upon a solid and a firm foundation. The God that if he had not breathed into us, we would never become a living being. But it is he that we come to celebrate. It is he that we come to worship. It is he that we come to bless. And, and so it should not be a place where that is somber. There are times whenever there's a holy reverence, huh? And there ought to be a holy reverence. 
But there ought to also be a shout and an expression of praise and gratitude. But far too many churches have become more like libraries and cemeteries than they have a place of worship. But I'm telling you today that God has always intended for us to be expressive in our worship. People say that, that about their praise that I'm just not emotional and that's not true at all. Because God created all of us with emotion. Amen. He created us all with emotion. If you are not created with motion, then you're a robot. And he didn't create robots to worship him because he already had angels worshiping him. The 12 and 24 elders around the throne crying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, and which is to come. They never cease. They never stop. They are created to praise and to worship Him. He already had that. He created us with a, a free will and said, I want you to praise me. I want you to worship me. I want you to lift up my name because you want to. Amen. Because you want to, because you understand that I have been better to you than anything else in your life. Because you understand that I've paid the price so that you could have life and have it. It is a reason for us to be expressive in our worship. Amen. And so we praise him and we worship him and we, we need to allow the world to know that, that God is alive. Amen. Silence is the sound of defeat. <laughs> and there's a whole lot of defeated folk up in the church because they ain't saying nothing. Amen. You want to you want to see who wins the football game? You don't even have to have the scoreboard on the bottom. Just look at the teams. It'll tell you who won the game because some of them are going to be down in the face and they're going to be looking down and they're not going to be saying nothing. But you find the team that's jumping. You find the team that's Wah! and you just found the winner. Amen. And so I say to you today that we have to be careful that we don't allow the expressions of our flesh to overcome what God has done in our spirit and in our minds. Because he has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So that we can, he's wrote our name in the Lamb's book of life. He has made us a partaker of his divine. There is reason to praise him. There is reason to be vocal and to celebrate him because the world thinks that, that God hasn't never done anything for us because we can't open our mouth and say hallelujah. God wants us to be expressive in our worship. He said, enter into his gates with a shout, with praise. Then he says for us to enter, and he said, serve the Lord with gladness. Hallelujah. Not drudgery, but with gladness. Huh? We're not to grow weary in well-doing, because in due season we'll reap if we don't stop. 
The word gladness here literally means joy. And that is we are to look upon the Lord's service, what we do for him in the kingdom of God, we are to, to cause us to have joy that we are able to do it. That God has created a place for us so that we can use our gift, our talent, our ability so that we can bring glory into his name. Instead of us looking at it as a chore, we ought to look at it as a privilege that has been afforded to us that we have been redeemed and we our name has been written in the Lamb's book of life and because of that we are able to bless the Lord. Because of that, we are able to give him thanks, right? And when we look at that, we understand that it is because of what he has done for us. So we ought to feel privileged. Do you realize that obedience is an expression of worship to God? That whenever we are obedient in doing what God has asked us to do, that it is an expression of our worship that we are giving thanks unto God when you consider that Jesus tells us that we prove our love to him by our obedience, right? In John 14 and 15, 14 or 15, he tells us that, that it's through our obedience that we prove our love for him. Then it, it gives us an understanding that we need to be obedient in everything that he asks us to do. He said, enter with singing. That word there literally means a ringing cry. Lifting our soul unto the Lord. It's more than just words, but it's a ringing cry. It comes out of your soul. Right? Worship is more than just singing words or, 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 uh, that we have learned or something that we have reading off of the wall, but it is something that comes out of your soul. That is when real worship takes place, atmospheres change. When real worship comes out of the soul, when there is a ringing cry that comes out of the soul of God's people, it transforms a building into a place of worship. It doesn't matter what it's been for. It can be a bar. It can be a barn. It can be a church. But whenever there's people that gather together and begin to worship God with a ringing cry from their soul, it will create an atmosphere that will shift everything and His presence will hover on that place and they will experience the goodness of God. You see, when you're lifting your soul unto the Lord through a song, it's a tremendous way to bless Him, to exalt His name, to lift Him up. But it's more than just saying words. It's, it's got to be expressed from your heart. Amen. Every child of God ought to possess a song in their soul. We are commanded to sing our songs of praise unto God. Psalm 68 and 32 said, Sing unto God, ye kingdoms of the earth. Oh, sing praises unto the Lord. Amen. In Psalms 41 and 1 through 3, David declares that along with salvation comes a new song of praise unto the Lord. 
Never hesitate to lift up a song of praise. Never hesitate to lift up the name of Jesus. It glorifies him when his people simply are willing to exalt him in song, in worship. And that's the reason that we do that. It's the reason that we sing songs because it gives us opportunity to worship him corporately together and lift up the name of Jesus Christ. It's our entrance into his presence. Every truth learned about the person of Jesus will always result in another reason to praise him. And I pray that God help us to never come to a place where that we fail to be amazed with the person of Jesus Christ. Where that we no longer stand at awe and amazement of who he is and what he has done for us. Because everything we do, everything we are, everything in our lives rises and falls on the perception that we have of who God is. Who is God? It's imperative that we never forget who we are serving. We are the servants of the living most high God. There's nothing better than that. You can't get elevated above that. <laughs> there is no higher place to go than that. It's to praise the most high God, to be created, to worship him, right? There's nothing better than being a child of a living God. And that we, when we learn that and we understand that, then there should be a rejoicing in our hearts to know that our Redeemer does live. Amen? This reminds us of His creative power of God. We are in this world because the Lord has great power and He has formed us in the image of His dear Son. This is something to praise him for. Beyond his creative power, there is a great recreative power. <laughs> that when we have failed, when we have messed up, when we have sinned, that he is not only able to form us or create us, but he is able to recreate us. And when you are marred and when you are stained with sin, you can thank God that he redeemed us. He remade us afresh and anew into the image of Jesus Christ. And we could go through several scriptures today to, to show that very fact. But just the fact that his power is revealed in creation of this world is reason enough to praise and to glorify him. Just to know that he... That he Amen. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I have redeemed you. Glory to God. You see, today, he has done something so great for us and so valuable for us that no one else could ever do. 
But I'm afraid that it falls upon our ears as just something that is that we are used to hearing. But the reality of it is he paid the price. He took us off of the market. And now we're no longer out there for somebody to purchase or out there for the enemy to destroy. But we have been purchased by the son of Jesus Christ. Amen. In 1 Peter 1 and 18, this word redeemed is used, and it means to release after payment of the purchase price. Released after the payment of the purchase price. It's the word picture of the slave being bought off of the, off of the market, taken off of the market, and then instead of taking them home to continue being a slave, they say, I paid the price, you're off of the market, and now you're free to go. Hallelujah. <laughs> you're turned loose. You're free. Jesus didn't buy us off of the auction block of sin so that we could continue to sin, but he set us free from sin. He set us free from the yoke and the bondage that was created through sin so that you and I could have life and have it more abundantly because isn't sin heavy? The weight of sin, the heaviness of the world is so heavy and no wonder people are taking their own lives. No wonder people don't have any hope or have any purposes. It's because sin is so heavy. The world is so heavy. But thank God when Jesus came, he bought us off of the auction block. He, he said, you're off of the market. And then he set us free to say, thou therefore whom the Son has set free is free indeed and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty and so now we have this liberty that is in Christ Jesus not free uh, to sin but free from sin that there is no more therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit and God has called us he has redeemed us and he has qualified us to be the sons and the daughters of the most high God and that alone is reason to give him praise amen I'm thankful today that Jesus wasn't A, uh, he wasn't looking for a deal. You know, some people, they'll only buy it if it's on sale. Some people, you know, I know y'all know this, it isn't no great revelation, but if you want $25 for your bicycle, you better put it on the sale for 50 because you put it on for 25 it'll be a great deal but ain't nobody gonna buy it unless they can talk you down right some folk won't buy anything unless they've got a, a ticket a coupon Coupon kings and queens. 
save them coupons and go through and get you a Whopper, buy one and get the other free. It's a good deal. (laughs) But I'm thankful Jesus wasn't looking for a good deal. I'm thankful that he didn't even negotiate the price. He said, you are worth it. He said, you are worth it. He said, you are worth it. I'm worth it. And he looked at us and in our sin. He looked at us in our mess. He looked at us in all of our failures. He looked at us with all of our chaos. He looked at all of our flaws. And he still thought I was worth it. Glory to God. He was willing to pay full price. Hallelujah. And he, he, he was lied on. They numbered him with the thieves. Amen. And Jesus was there and they numbered him with the thieves and the murderers. And they, and they said, look at all of this. They mocked him. And they said, if you be the son of God, then bring yourself down off of that cross. Right? Humiliation and embarrassment. It's something that nobody wants to go through. Is it true? Ain't nobody going to talk to me today. It's true. Nobody wants to be humiliated. Nobody wants to be embarrassed. Nobody wants to go through that kind of humility. But can you imagine this whole crowd of people and they're mocking him saying, if you're the son of God, Bring yourself down off of that cross. And knowing that all he'd have had to do is say the word. And there were ten legions of angels waiting to come and rescue him and take him down off of that. But he thought you were worth it. Amen. He was beaten with whips. He was beaten with rods. They put the crown of thorns upon his head. They ripped his beard off of his face. He was nailed to the cross and he was hung high and he was stretched wide. And that spotless lamb, that last Adam, that savior of the world, his blood ran down his torn and tattered body. His blood made its way down that rugged cross. And it began to flow down until it flowed into the ground and the soil in which he created mankind from. And that when it touched that ground, there was something that happened. There was something that took place because it caused the sin that went all the way back. It caused the, the sin of the slavery of sin that went all the way back to Adam. And now mankind has been redeemed from that slavery called sin. To where you and I today can have access to his name. And ask him, come to him with a godly sorrow. And he said he would in no wise cast us out. That whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Hallelujah. I'm telling you today, it was a grand and a glorious thing that he did. But it was a great price that he paid. 
in a world where we have become desensitized to everything. I think somehow, I don't know how, I wish I knew how to preach the cross of Jesus Christ. Where we have become desensitized to where Wars can be taking place and people are being destroyed by the thousands of people and we can watch it on television while we eat our steak dinner. Desensitized to a place where that we can look at the morals of our nation that have fallen in the street and seemingly there is no hope of resurrection and yet we're unmoved and unconcerned. Where we have seen hurting, broken humanity. And it seems like that there is no value on life of any kind anymore. Desensitized to children being murdered in the womb. Desensitized to, to the elders being put on some kind of mercy shot. And only God has the authority to speak life or to take life. That's the reason why that a doctor can tell you what he thinks, how long you're going to live, but only God has that power. Only God has that authority. But we have, we have been desensitized until we don't even look at Calvary and be able to really feel and see what Jesus did because we got Spielberg and we got all this crazy stuff. Huh? All these murders and axe hatchets and killing people and all that mess and blood everywhere and people and now it don't faze anybody to just walk up to you and shoot you dead. That's right. No value on life. It's easy to take another life when there's no value to it. But friend, Jesus valued you. He, <laughs> he valued you. He valued me until he was willing to pay the full price. Amen. He didn't say, how about me just go to the whipping post and you whip me? Would that be enough? How about if I would just take the mockery and, and the ridicule and the shame? Would that be enough? But no, he said, I'm willing to pay full price because whenever I get done with this assignment in my life, mankind